and welcome to Every Rom-Com Now streaming for the week of April 19th through the 26th, 2021. This week, for the first time, Serena is joining us for Now Streaming. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We took off the last few weeks, but Jen and I are back and ready to give you some great streaming recommendations, as well as letting you know where you can find some of the movies from recent and upcoming episodes of the podcast. We'd also like to let you know that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Rom-Com Podcast and Blog. Our Instagram is at Every Rom-Com. And our Twitter handle is at Every Rom-Com Pod. And as always, you can find the podcast at everyromcom.com. Send us feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Now for the week of April 19th through the 26th, we'll let you know what's streaming. First, here's where you can find some of the movies we've covered on the podcast. Moonstruck from our very first episode is now available on Prime. The half of it is on Netflix. Bride and Prejudice is now on streaming on Crackle and Plex. You can find 10 Things I Hate About You on Disney+. Plus. Roman Holiday is on Prime and Pluto TV. And Crazy Rich Asians is on HBO Max, TNT, True TV, and TBS. And the other movies we've covered can be rented from streaming platforms or from your local library. And here's where you can find the movies we'll be talking about over the next few weeks as part of our travel series. On Thursday, we'll be off to Japan for Lost in Translation, which you can find on Peacock. And in two weeks, we'll continue the travel series with an adventure in Colombia as we discuss Romancing the Stone, which can be rented from various platforms or most likely found at your local library. At the end of most episodes, you'll find recommendations for movies to watch as a double feature with the movie we're discussing that week. Here are some of the double feature recommendations for Roman Holiday. It happened one night. You can find it on TV Time, Plex, or Crackle. Chasing Liberty is available on HBO Max. The Prince and Me you can find on Prime, Paramount+, Plus, Pluto TV, the Roku channel, also recommended as a double feature with Crazy Rich Asians. I think I recommended that. Yeah, you did. (laughs) And Summertime, you can find on HBO Max and Canopy. And Audrey, which is a documentary on Netflix. And finally, I recommended Trumbo, which is a movie about the writer, the blacklisted writer of Roman Holiday. You can find that film on Netflix and Canopy. And here are some of the double feature recommendations for Crazy Rich Asians. So I recommended The Farewell with Aquafina, which you can find on Prime and Canopy. The Feels with Constance Wu on Netflix and Canopy. Hustlers is also with Constance Wu, and you can find that on Showtime. Last Christmas with Henry Golding and Michelle Yeoh, you can find that on Cinemax. And as a corrective for the celebration of excess in Crazy Rich Asians, I recommended watching Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, which is currently available on Hulu. In the Mood for Love on HBO Max. And Sophia recommended watching some of the films of Akira Kurosawa, which you can find on the Criterion channel under the uh, title Directed by Akira Kurosawa. My Big Fat Greek Wedding on HBO Max. I recommended that as well. And finally, Sophia recommended Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon with Michelle Yeoh, which you can find on Prime and Showtime. 
Now we'll get into our recommendations for rom-coms and rom-com adjacent movies and TV shows that are streaming right now. So my first pick is related to Crazy Rich Asians. When we were doing the show uh, the other week, uh, I was looking at other things that Aquafina had been in, and I'd never seen her TV show, Aquafina is Nora from Queens. And that's currently on HBO Max and Comedy Central. And my God, I can't believe I waited so long to watch it. It is so funny. So if Aquafina was one of the highlights of Crazy Rich Asians for you, you cannot miss watching her TV show. It was co-created by Aquafina and... Teresa Zhao. And it's a family story, which is very similar to Aquafina's real life family story. What's so great about this is it's just like Aquafina's comedy kind of run wild in like a pure form. Uh, every episode is really funny, but some of them are just like amazing. Like my favorite episode is episode three, which is called Savage Valley. And in this one, she tries to hold down a job in a real estate office while staying up all night playing these online games. And she's taking like stimulants. And it goes to these very absurdist heights. It's like kind of a masterpiece. So I totally recommend if even if you only have time to watch one show, watch episode three, you can watch a lot of the episodes as standalones. The grandma character in the show is also amazing, played by Lori Tan Chin, who was also recently on Orange is the New Black. And also has Bowen Yang, who recently became an SNL cast member. He plays uh, Aquafina's tech millionaire cousin, Edmund. And the dynamic between those two actors and characters is just amazing. If you're, if you're not completely sold by the first episode, I recommend just to keep going. Like, it's one of those shows that gets better the more you watch it, just as you get into the characters. And the first season has 10 episodes, but a second season is currently filming. So you'll get more of this awesomeness. And as I've mentioned before, it's available on HBO Max and Comedy Central. So check it out. Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Huh, cool. All right. Well, my first recommendation is a show that I've recently watched and have really gotten into. It's called Normal People, and it's streaming on Hulu. Uh, It is a 12-episode limited series. It was released last year, like right in the beginning of when the world kind of shut down for the pandemic and it it got a lot of hype and buzz but it took me a long time to finally come around to watch it and i'm currently obsessed with it it is so good um basically it's a really simple story it starts out as two teenagers basically in ireland in rural ireland and they become lovers and then it kind of follows them through these really formative years and it's it's just very simple and um, it's beautiful and the chemistry between the two actors is amazing. I just can't talk enough about it. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how else to to describe it without it seeming like cliche because there's all these like cliche things uh, involving first love and class and there's uh, it touches on mental health. And I actually got so into it that I, I ordered the book and I read the book and the book is really good too. But I actually think I liked the show a little bit better. I think it flushed mm-hmm. out a lot of the themes in the book a little bit better. Um, it is written by uh, Sally Rooney, who was only 27 
when the book was published. And she's regarded as one of the foremost millennial writers right now. She's actually, um, her, fr- her first book is turning into a series and that's called Conversations with Friends. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to that. The The show was directed by, um, it had two blocks. It was directed by, uh, the first block was directed by Lenny Abramson, who also directed the movie Room. And then the second block was uh, directed by Hedy McDonald, who has done a lot of like British television and things like that. So um, I highly recommend it. I've gotten a lot of my friends to watch it so that we can talk about it and discuss it. It has a lot of dynamics of um, relationships and communication. And even though it is about young characters, I think it's something that even older people can look back on and, and take something away from it. So I highly recommend Normal People and it's streaming on Hulu. Sounds great. I'll mm-hmm. have to check it out. Yeah, definitely do it. So my second pick was another pick inspired by doing the podcast. This goes all the way back to our Bell Book and Candle episode. Um, it is a, another movie featuring Kim Novak in a starring role and written by one of Bell Book and Candle's writers, Daniel Teradash. And it is the 1955 film Picnic. So Picnic was released in 1955, but even so, it just has a lot of sexual tension and chemistry between the leads, Kim Novak and William Holden. I think that sometimes like older movies, because they weren't allowed to show everything, they actually end up sometimes having more sexual tension and heat because they have to find other ways to show the dynamics in those relationships or to film the scenes. They have to get kind of creative. So I think Picnic is a great example of that. There's just so much just, ah, it's a hot movie. I can't explain. So it's based on a play by William Ng. And the basic story is that a handsome drifter played by William Holden comes to town to see an old college friend about getting a job, but he ends up falling for his college friend's girlfriend played by Kim Novak. And a lot of the things in this movie are very dated. I will start out by saying, though, the the gender roles are very dated. Obviously, it's from the 50s. And it is a very white movie. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a movie that is just whiter than this. Like, like what's that mean? (laughs) Well, just huge country picnics. And like, everybody is just like, I don't know, like, you don't see any non white faces at all. (gasps) And like, everybody just seems very kind of corny and like but like I think in some ways it's also a commentary though on that kind of like small town society like I get the feeling that it's not meant to be a celebration of that kind of society but more a send-up of it Mm -hmm. and that's what it seems like to me so even though it's dated you can you can feel kind of a satire in the movie as well like people pushing back against the culture at that time and so it's very interesting. I love watching movies from the 50s because a lot of times there'll be the the main the, the story but there's also the subtext beneath it. I also like that there's a wide variety of female characters in this movie. There is, you know, Kim Novak's kind of like beautiful young woman who doesn't want to just be seen as beautiful. There's her mother who's very protective of her and wants a better life for her. There's her younger sister is my favorite character. She plays like a tomboy scholar character. And then there's this like hilarious older school teacher character who's trying to get her um, suitor to marry her. And they're all just like, just great, interesting female characters, which it's interesting. Like a lot of times in these older movies, even though they had very dated gender roles, you would actually see more lead roles for women. So I really, really recommend checking out some of these older 40s and 50s movies for female characters. And it's just great to look at the color in some of these older films is beautiful. The costumes, the cinematography, the lighting, there's a lot of attention to those details. So if you're a fan of older films, Kim Novak, like check out Picnic, which is currently on Criterion. 
So my second pick is What's Eating Gilbert Grape that came out in 1993. I just revisited this movie because it popped up on Netflix and it was one of my favorite movies growing up or in my, I guess in 93, I must have been like a a preteen or something. I just love this movie. It it stars Johnny Depp, Leonardo DiCaprio and Juliette Lewis um, when they were pretty young um i think leonardo dicaprio was 18 when he played um the role of johnny depp's mentally disabled brother arnie uh, an amazing performance by him and um some of the the co-stars in it i was i was particularly interested in the mother character have you seen this movie jen i think you have a long time ago yeah. so i don't remember i was life. particularly um struck by the the mother that was played by darlene cates in this movie it involves a, a a very obese woman who is homebound. Um, that's one of the characters. And they actually, instead of putting someone, which I think is so cliche, instead of putting someone in like a fat suit or something, mm-hmm. they actually got someone who I think they found on like a, a like Sally Jesse Raphael or something that was over, I think she's 500 pounds in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it doesn't, it's a character, but I, I feel like they don't like, um, make it tragic. I mean, I mean, it is, yeah. but they don't exploit it. That's what I'm saying. They don't exploit it. Yeah. And I thought that was really well done. Um, it was directed by Lassa Hallstrom, who also did Cider House Rules and Chocolat. He is uh, Scandinavian. I think he's Swedish, and but he somehow was able to convey the like the small town American vibe, which I think can be kind of hard to do, especially like like from the Midwest. This movie takes place in in Iowa. And it's just a story of this family in small town Iowa, and it's based around the the middle brother who is Gilbert Grape, played by Johnny Depp. And it's just kind of a slow-moving life uh, until Juliette Lewis shows up um, with her grandmother, and they're kind of on this vacation on one of those like streamlined trailers. And it, it kind of like jumpstarts this romance and kind of like shakes up Gilbert's world a little bit. I just really love this movie. It's a quiet and it's simple, but coming from a, a small town in the Midwest, I think it captures a lot of the like the boringness of small town, mm. but also uh, the repetitiveness, but also mm. it's a very hopeful movie as well. I just really like it. I do recommend it. Um, it's What's in Gilbert Grape. It's streaming on Netflix right now. Check it out, especially if you want to see um, great performances by a young Johnny Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio. I bet a lot of people would like be interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my third pick is also kind of a throwback to my early teen years. Um, I was watching HBO Max, and I think it's their TCM section of HBO Max, and The Bodyguard from 1992 popped up. And The Bodyguard with Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston was like a huge favorite of mine during my Kevin Costner crush phase in middle school and early high school. Um, yeah, don't judge, don't judge. Um, it holds up surprisingly well. I think a lot of the reason it holds up has to do with Whitney Houston. So she in the movie plays a celebrity singer and actress, not much of a stretch, named Rachel Marin. And the songs and performances by Whitney Houston in the movie are like amazing. This is the movie that brought the world that the I will always love you cover that she does, which now doesn't even seem, yeah, now it doesn't even seem like a cover. 
And also she performs I Have Nothing and Queen of the Night. I used to have the soundtrack to this movie. Um, and her acting is like, it's not Oscar worthy, but it's very solid, like a lot more solid than a lot of singer actors performances. And it's a romance thriller. So the falling in love with your bodyguard thing is kind of a trope in romance. And it really works well in this movie. Um, I would say, though, the thriller aspect is a little stronger than the romance aspect. It's a really good thriller. You, it keeps you guessing just enough. like, And a little more romance could have been good in the movie, but there's definitely good chemistry between the two actors. And it's enough to make the ending like very meaningful. And I figured something out. Like Kevin Costner is like this very bland kind of actor. And it's kind of weird that you would like have a crush on him. But I figured out what it might be. He, in the early 90s especially, he was playing against all these really strong female characters. Like he was always falling in love with super like just assertive and strong women in his movies. And I think that might be part of why I had the crush on Kevin Costner because like he was falling in love with women I could relate to, not like shrinking violets or like, even though he's her bodyguard in this movie, like Rachel Maron's character is not like a damsel in distress. She's a very strong and powerful woman. So I, I super recommend this movie. And like a lot of Kevin Costner's like romance work in the 90s was good. I also think in this movie, the supporting cast and characters are very strong. I really cared about not just Rachel and uh, the bodyguard, but I cared about Rachel's family. Everybody, you know, had meaning to me. So I think it's a great movie. I think it really holds up. Nice. Yeah, Kevin Costner was definitely like the it guy of the 90s, wasn't he? Like, I I feel like everyone was obsessed with him. Not the way I was, dude. Oh, I had like yeah. three. I had. I wish I still had them. I had three journals full of just like ridiculous stuff about <laughs> Kevin Costner. I, they I'm were gonna, lost gonna, in the sands of time. I'm gonna marry him or like what? Like what do you mean? Oh, oh, totally. Oh, totally. <laughs> like yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Like Jennifer Costner, like kind of stuff. I, it was more his characters, but yeah, like similar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. I lo- <laughs> like I with this. clippings from clippings from newspapers, etc. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, my third pick isn't really a, a romance, if not like the downfall of a romance, which I'm interested in. I, I like I like talking about that aspect of things. Like, what are the statistics that um, most marriages are like 53% of marriages end in divorce? So it, it's really like a realistic thing that happens, you know, during a romance that your marriage might fall apart. And that is what is explored in 2019's Marriage Story, which is my my third pick. It stars Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson um, as a couple during the breakdown of their marriage. I've never been married. I'm I'm probably not going to be married. I don't have kids. So I some of this is kind of like a voyeur voyeuristic for me. Yeah, like I feel like a voyeur, like when I'm watching this, like, oh, this, because I don't think that that will ever happen to me. So it's very interesting. But I know a lot of people go through divorce and the things that Mm -hmm. can happen during a divorce. So um, I thought the performances were just amazing. Obviously, there's that big fight scene that is played over and over again, where, you know, it, it finally everything boils up and comes to a head between the two main characters. And they have this explosive argument where you know it's you say things that you can never take back and i think i have had some fights like that that is true i just think this was a a great a great movie it's directed by noah bombach who um he also did the squid and the whale which is also about Hmm. divorce so apparently this is a, a subject for him that he really wants to explore and i think he does a really great job 
it's basically about a, a downfall of a marriage between an actor and a, a theater director. I I just recommend it. It's good. It's a good watch. Yeah, it's it it's definitely... not it's not like feel good or anything. Like yeah. I I kind of came out of it a little shell shocked. But I think it's important to watch things like that. Um, it, it's just like a glimpse into this particular marriage. There's also some really great co-stars. Uh, Laura Dern in particular plays. Um, Mm -hmm. Nicole, who is Scarlett Johansson's uh, attorney. And I thought she was great. Yeah, and I would recommend it just because of Adam Driver. I think he's fantastic in everything he does. (laughs) I could see him being like a a Jennifer crush for sure. Hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not John Oliver stalking him or anything, so. Oh, that's funny. So um, my last pick is also kind of a downer. Um, I I don't want to give away the ending by any means, but um, Madame Bovary, the 1991 version specifically directed by Claude Chabrol and starring Isabelle Huppert. So there are other versions of Madame Bovary. I have not enjoyed them nearly as much. Uh, The Madame Bovary from 91 is available on AMC Plus and Sundance Now. Uh, I love this book, the novel. Uh, It's one of my favorite novels. And for me, this 1991 version is the best adaptation of the novel that I've seen. I think a lot of the reason why why is because Isabelle Hubert is like one of like the premier French actresses. And she's so good in this movie. Like she's so good at drawing you into her emotions, but like not having to be likable. Mm -hmm. Like Madame Bovary does not need to be a likable character to be a relatable character. You know, I think that's one of the best things about the novel is it um, captures a kind of humanity that a lot of people can relate to, but like, you know, isn't the most sympathetic at all times. Like, it, it, I find her a little bit sympathetic because of the. Okay, so Madame Bovary said a long time ago when women didn't have a lot of opportunities. So I think that's why I find her character sympathetic. But um, the basic story is uh, Madame Bovary is. She's a country woman. She starts out as a country woman who marries a doctor, Charles Bovary, and she expects that her life is going to get better. She's going to get better society. You know, she won't be in her father's house. She'll have her own house. But she quickly becomes kind of disillusioned and bored in her marriage. And then they attend this aristocratic party that uh, the doctor has been invited to. And she has like the best time of her life. She's exposed to a different way of living. And she after that party, she just begins to long for a more glamorous life. And this triggers a series of affairs. And so a lot of people find the character really repellent. But for me, it's totally understandable that when a woman doesn't have any way to advance through her own talents or ambitions, she may find other ways to try to advance her life. And the whole movie is exquisitely acted. It's just filmed with realism and beauty at the same time. I think it's the next best thing to reading the book. Like if you never intend to read the book, you could watch this movie and you get a lot of the same things out of it. So, And I rarely say that because I really advocate reading books. But I think this movie does a great job capturing the story. So available now, AMC Plus, Sundance Now. I've actually never seen that. So I think I'm going to watch it. All right. Well, my last pick. Um, it's come up a few times. I feel like I needed to give it a little love, if you will. Um, <laughs> it's... Eat, Pray, Love, that starred Julia Roberts, or stars Julia Roberts. It came out in 2010, and it's based on the 2006 memoir, Eat, Pray, Love, by Elizabeth Gilbert. I was reading some reviews of this, and actually, it got some really bad reviews, both the the book and the movie, um, mostly just because of, like, uh, you said earlier, like, the, the whitewashing of 
this story about a upper middle class woman who is able to go on this year long finding myself journey and how like navel gazing that is, you know? Um, Okay. But at the same time though, like I had a copy of this book that I had underlines on like so many pages because there's a lot of good. Oh, I agree. Like I totally agree. So that's what I'm saying. I'm like kind of setting this up, but then to say that I, but then to say that I, I love this story and I think it became so popular. I think it became like a phenomena really, especially mm-hmm. during, th- during that time I was traveling a lot um, by myself. I was, I'm, I'm younger than um, Elizabeth Gilbert is. So I was a little bit younger than that, but I was meeting so many women like along the way um, in South America in Europe and Hawaii who like literally like had that book, like, you know, like in their pocket, like pulling it out and like reading it and being inspired by it because they had just left a relationship or they had just left their job Mm -hmm. and they were just, something was missing in their life and they were, they were looking for it. And I think this book just really kind of gave women like permission to do that. Yeah. Um, So I, I think that's really important. So I recommend watching it. Um, I recommend reading the book, actually, because the book is is way better. But mm-hmm. watching the movie kind of, you know, it, it glosses over a few things. But it's so fun to watch because it's so fun to be, you know, the the Italian scenes and um, in India. And then she goes to Bali and it, it's beautifully shot. I, I want to say that her love interests in the movie um, are way better looking than I think were portrayed in the book, <laughs> which um, makes, or maybe in real life, I guess, um, which makes it super hot. I know her her love interest in in Bali is Javier Bardem, who I, is mm-hmm. so gorgeous and wonderful in this role. Um, so yeah, I I say check it out. It's a fun it's a fun movie. Um it's about traveling, it's about being a woman and not and kind of going against the grain of what society has intended for you even though I'm not upper middle class or a white woman or any of those things. I found yeah. a lot of things to relate to um in this book. And I've I've read um Elizabeth Gilbert's Uh, a couple of her other books, her her follow-up to this book was called committed, which I so recommend. Um, And it's just, it just Mm. talks about um, marriage essentially. So I recommend eat, pray, love it's on Netflix right now. So if you like what you've heard today, please rate review and subscribe to our show on Apple podcasts and, or drop us a line at feedback at every rom-com.com. We'd love to hear what you're streaming and loving these days. And we'll be releasing our new episode Thursday on Lost in Translation, written and directed by Sofia Coppola. And I'm very excited about this episode because it will feature an appearance from my sister-in-law, Luna Howell, who has lived and worked in Japan. So look forward to that. And in the meantime, I hope everyone is doing great and see you next time. Happy streaming, everyone. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 